0: Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 152 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today's topic is going to be the role of the tibialis anterior muscle. Now, we're going to be talking about the origin, insertion, action. We're going to be talking about the nerve that innervates it, how to isolate it from other muscles, some causes of weakness. We'll talk a little bit about tendinitis of the tibialis anterior. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about treatment. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our wonderful sponsors.
0: Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Maine Lee Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit easyglidersocks.com. That's easyglidersocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant.
1: Hello and welcome back. So every once in a while, I like to throw in a podcast about a very isolated anatomical structure. And there are a couple of reasons why I do this. Number one, it's because... You know, in general, we know where most of these structures are. We know what they do, but are we able to tease them out in order to better isolate the issue and the problem? And so you all know, those of you who've been listening to me for a while, why I started OrthoEvalPal, and that's to help make you more confident with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. And, And it just gets us back to the basics, so we look at this a little differently. The other reason I'm doing this is because I just had a great meeting Um, with some folks in regards to the mega comfort insole and we were talking about you know how well this insole absorbs shock and and they did some studies on an ergonomic level at a large company that proved that you could decrease the activity of the anterior tibialis so it's not working so hard and I thought you know what let's just talk about this muscle today and um and just kind of break it down a little bit so you know it's pretty clear where this muscle is located All right, it's called the tibialis anterior. So knowing your medical terminology can be very helpful. Now, this is a simple one, but there are others out there, other muscles that um, can be difficult to find and difficult to understand exactly what they do. But if you know what their name is, you can really break it down and that can help a lot. And so getting your medical terminology down before you study anatomy um, is super important. So let's talk a little bit about the origin of the tibialis anterior. It originates at the proximal half of the lateral tibia. And I know this is deceiving because it's an inverter. And I've always thought of it, well, if it's an inverter, shouldn't it be on the medial side of the leg? But it isn't. And we're going to explain why that is here in a little bit. So it it originates at the proximal half of the lateral tibia and the lateral condyle of the tibia. And it travels distally and crosses the medial side of the lower leg at the distal tibia and inserts at the plantar surface of the medial side of the cuneiform and the base of the first metatarsal, proximally, okay? So with that being said, um, it dorsiflexes and inverts the foot. So it's also innervated by the deep peroneal nerve, which originates from L4, L5, S1, and that is important to know right there because there are many problems that cause weakness to the tibialis anterior. So what are some of these issues that we see uh, with the tibialis anterior? Well, number one, let's start with the junk term. And this is this is quite a junk term here is shin splints. You know, there are many diagnoses that have been thrown into the shin splint classification box. And here is a classic example. So you can develop some proximal overuse of the tibialis anterior, especially if you know someone is doing too much running, or maybe suddenly increases mileage when running, and um, overuse and, and striking the heel really hard, going into plantar flexion really quickly, and eccentrically holding that foot up can cause some stress to the to the tibial periosteum and cause a, a periostitis uh, at the origin and can give you discomfort right along that tibia. And so anybody who kind of palpates the front of that tibia will find it's it gets tender quite easy. And, um, you know, it gets thrown in there uh, as a shin splint. But there are many reasons why people develop quote unquote shin splints. And this may be one of them. Um, The second thing that we look at is drop foot, you know, and a drop foot can be caused by a number of things. It can be caused from having a CVA. You can get it uh, if you have a L4, L5 nerve root compression uh, problem like a uh, foraminal stenosis, a herniated disc, and anything that causes compression at L4 and L5 nerve root can give you a foot drop uh, scenario. And then you can also have damage to the deep peroneal nerves, such as a blow to the lateral side of the fibula. You know, we've seen this where uh, somebody takes a hit to the outside of the fibula with a helmet, uh, maybe in football, or they get kicked there in soccer. And uh, then they just have difficulty uh, lifting the foot and dorsiflexing. So you end up with this foot slapping type of scenario. So, you know, that, that anterior tibialis muscle is very big. It's very powerful and it does a lot of work. Now you can also, the third one here is, you know, tibialis anterior tendinitis or tendinopathy can occur. And you can get this for several reasons. Number one, you could have compression or irritation to the distal tendon. Maybe you have a shoe or a boot that is kind of wrinkling up or bending and pushing on the tendon quite hard, such as somebody who wears a work boot and maybe is in a dorsiflexed position for a long period of time working on a roof or in a squatted position, that can cause irritation to that tendon. Or, you know, maybe kicking a soccer ball and there's something, you know, in the sock or a lace that is irritating that area every time they get that repetitive uh, kick or damage to that area. So those are ways that you can cause irritation, inflammation. Now, here's something, we'll talk a little bit about some biomechanics here. One of the problems I see is sometimes people will come see me and say, yeah, I started to develop this pain in the front of my leg. It's been getting worse in the last three months or so. And I'll say, well, okay, so have you changed your shoe wear? And they'll be like, yeah, I bought some new sneaks and I started, you know, walking or running a little bit more. And even people who are walkers will get this. You don't necessarily have to be a runner. And what happens sometimes is that, you may purchase a shoe or a sneaker or a boot that has a really hard heel or a higher heel. And what happens here is if your body weight is not hefty enough to to collapse the heel, then what's going to happen is your foot is going to plantar flex and slap really fast. So imagine this, you're walking, you are ready to strike your heel And as soon as the heel strikes, your foot goes into plantar flexion, correct? That's just the nature of how we are when we walk. Well, if the sole of the heel, of the shoe, is really soft, then it's going to collapse into the ground, the foot is not going to slap so fast, and the anterior tibialis isn't going to work as much, okay? And so what happens is if you put a shoe or a sneaker on with a very hard heel, You strike the floor and the foot plantar flexes really fast, and the foot's gonna wanna slap really quickly. So, in that case, the anterior tibialis or tibialis anterior, whichever way you wanna call it, um, is gonna work significantly harder eccentrically. And so, take that into consideration. If you have somebody who has some new shoes, new sneakers, have them throw the old ones on for a couple of days and see what happens. See if they feel a little bit better. And oftentimes we will notice that uh, it does help with their anterior tibialis discomfort. The other thing that we see, and we see this quite often here in northern Maine because we have about, you know, four months of uh, summer and then the rest of the time is winter and you cannot always walk outside. So people will transition to a treadmill. And think about it, when you're walking on on the ground, uh, on hot top, or maybe even out on the grass, you are propelling yourself over the surface, okay? When you're on a treadmill, the surface is pulling back. And so once your foot strikes that treadmill belt, the treadmill belt pulls the heel back and forces the foot to slap a lot faster, and you can develop, quote-unquote, shin splints or anterior tibial tendonitis um, really quickly like that. So we may transition people off the treadmill onto walking into an indoor track or maybe in a gymnasium somewhere where that that belt is not pulling the foot and causing such a huge eccentric load. Um, so that's something to take into consideration. The other thing you need to look at is foot structure. Does the person have a pes planus or a flat foot? Um, think about where the tibialis anterior inserts. Okay, we're at the cuneiform and the first proximal metatarsal, and not only does it invert and dorsiflex the foot, but it helps to support the arch or the medial side of the arch eccentrically. So if the person is collapsing maybe a little bit more, maybe they've changed their shoe wear or they've become tighter in the calf and the arch is collapsing a lot harder, um, they are going to have to eccentrically work more that can cause some irritation. So sometimes simply putting somebody into an orthotic and supporting the medial arch, maybe doing a tape job to help support the medial arch or getting into like a lace-up brace where you can pull the medial side up a little bit will help to rest it. Now, if that tibialis anterior is very, very inflamed and very painful, causing you difficulty walking, then maybe they have to get into like a cam walker boot or something like that to help um, prevent the excessive plantar flexion, dorsiflexion motion while letting it rest. So those are options for treatment. Of course, you can do all of the modalities to help decrease inflammation, taking a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and then relatively resting the area. So avoidance of walking and running and maybe getting into swimming or um, even stationary cycling is a good option because that tendon doesn't have to work so hard. Um, So with that being said, before we conclude today, um, if I were to give a little piece of advice regarding the tibialis anterior, it's to understand its action and know how to identify it. Um, you know, it, it can be easily mistaken for other issues such as the extensor hallucis, longus tendinitis and even the extensor digitorum. You know, the, the bodies of those muscles run in a very similar path. So you should, tr- you should know how to test for it. You should be able to palpate those distal tendons so that you know um, which one they are and test them individually so that you can identify what the problem is because you may treat them a little bit differently. Um, They all assist in dorsiflexion. That's kind of what, you know, throws it off a little bit. uh, But parts of their anatomy, you know, because parts of their anatomy follow the same path. So it's important that, you know periodically, if you see something come up, you know, assess and take a look at all the individual muscles in that same area and learn how to identify them, learn how to test them, know what their innervations are, know what their insertions are. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with breaking open a book. I break open a book all the time because we see things that come through the door that are just totally unusual or we don't see them every day like there's certain things we see on a regular basis we see rotator cuff problems every single day um, but you know a tibialis anterior tendonitis is not so common you don't see that that often or peasants rhine bursitis um, you know those are things that you just don't see very often so sometimes you may need to break open a book and just make sure that you're hitting the structures that you're looking for so with that being said folks I hope you uh, enjoyed today's show be sure to check out the links in the show notes where I I uh, have resources for you to help enhance your orthopedic learning journey. So, again, I hope you have a great day and take care.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.